2: Welcome to Healthcare Now. You've got Dr. Mark and Larry Jones and we're here to start another show of the week. I tell you, Larry, we had a show plan and as often happens, you know, sometimes we just get a little long winded about something and we didn't get to cover something last week. and, And you said how many five people? Yeah,
3: I had five people call me and say I was all prepared to find out how my personality affects my health and you put it off till next week.
2: Yeah, so I am saying we better just go ahead and do this Let's first because you never know where the show goes. That's right, and uh, but it, it is an interesting. You know, some of these articles, a lot of the articles in and all all healthcare and everything else. You, you you look at the headline and it can really draw you yeah. in, and sometimes it can be a little disappointing. It's not what you ex- right. expected, but this one should be. Yeah, should this, be really is, interesting. this is really
3: interesting. And you know, the issue is: could your personality be harming you, or is your personality actually helping you to live longer?
2: Right, right. And those so are that, some pretty interesting questions. There are. I mean, I think there's some things that you sort of like right up front, you kind of know certain things. and, and sure. but a lot of times it's not if you look at the data, it doesn't really back up what you might expect people no. to be like. That's right. Well, let's get
3: started, Larry. But you know, we know a lot of different personality types, and it's interesting that the way that we behave and the mm-hmm. habits that we have many times result in the personality type that has a direct connection to our health
2: right right which makes yeah. which makes sense cuz yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's a repeatable thing you're you're behaving and making right. choices in a certain way and, and how many
3: people do we know that today the world is moving so fast dr mark mm-hmm. that people are so stressed out let's talk about that for a minute
2: yeah and that that affects different people to different extents That's i right. would i would say it affects everyone yep uh and it's it's hard to imagine anyone uh, today that, that can't say, you know, what's your stress level and say that it's yeah. actually higher right now than it was, you know, three years ago. Right.
3: Well, uh, I mean, when you think about it, gas is out of sight. Food and stuff is out of sight. Uh, the the interest rate inflation is at 9%. Right. We have only twice in the history of the U.S. had where the inflation rate was greater than the GDP. Right. And that's now and during World War II.
2: Yep. You know, that reminds me, do you ever hear a thing called the, uh, the misery index? I have heard of the misery so, right. index. So yes. the misery index is, you know, it's an economic measure, right. which right. you wouldn't expect it. You wouldn't expect it would have been so creatively, you know, called out decades and decades ago. But the original one that just looked at the inflation rate mm-hmm. and the unemployment rate. right? Those, and it was the, right. uh, the unemployment rate type. I don't know what I know there, it's down to there's four different. They're U one, two, three, and four. Okay. And so I think it looked at the U two, which meant that like in U four, it was people that they were so they were so unemployed that they weren't yeah. even going to look for a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so that misery index kind of goes along with that stats because the it was initially described and predicted presidential election outcomes. So if the misery index was above one level, then the the president in office stayed in office. And if it was, you know, too high, then they were out, right? right. So so yeah. it's just kind of an interesting thing. It's, and they've really yeah. added a bunch of other factors yeah. to what would be sure. the misery index. But that goes kind of along with this, like it how does. people feel about the situation that they're in and the decisions that they make.
3: And And, you know, I think politically – has created a psychological problem in America where people are just taking sides and it's almost this cancel environment that we've been talking about in the media.
2: Right. And and I think at the end of the day, the United States is very diverse. It's very geographically large. Yes. And it is probably hard to find any issue, even like what type of soda you like better, (laughs) that isn't 50-50. 50-50. Exactly. You know, I yep, mean yep. with a, with a with a differentiation of maybe 5% in either direction, right? right? So and when you have a society like that, it does feed yep. the monster of stress. Yeah. Dr. Mark, do you think knowledge
3: and the the impact of the internet and all this thing has added to stress and people's division in America?
2: Well, I would say not necessarily knowledge because a lot of what okay. we get isn't the truth. That's right. And so I would say it's information. Okay. The, the full access to information and the inability to vet, whether it's true or it's not true, adds to all that. Okay. And Because you, can, you could absolutely find printed word, and I'm making air quotes, you know, saying sure. it on the Internet, sure. to support absolutely anything, no matter how ridiculous it's going to be there. Right? So, so with that being said, you know, when people have a disagreement... And they want something to back it up, you know. I I could quote the set of facts, and again, air quote right. set of facts, and you could find facts that would would go exactly against it. Exactly. So so where does that, where does that put us? It yeah. really doesn't allow us to have any discourse to to bring you onto my thinking or right. me onto yours because right. you know we we both have facts and and we don't have a way to tell whether they're true sure. or not.
3: Sure. Well, you know, I think profession. And uh, your your job skills certainly impact your personality, or maybe it's the the other way the other around. Way around. Yeah, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think we have to decide whether or not personality is something that can be changed, or and 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 in this in this article, it's really personality traits. It is, and so your personality traits can change in your lifetime and do change, and you can identify a trait that may be contributing to some negative factors and you can curb that back. And if you curb that back, you might indeed not head down the track that, uh, right. of, of negativity or of poor health that you have. So, right. so that's kind of important to say as we get into this, because okay. if we say, well, let's, we're going we're to talk about like the, the yeah, type A personality. Let's talk about yeah. type
3: A personality.
2: Right. So, but, but as we go through this and we're going to say that different types of personalities, this is how it affects your health. Right. It's not, you're not, Constricted into this, it doesn't mean that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. It, what it's really doing is it's recognizing the factors of this personality and saying it's it's leading to this. You can make adjustments, just like you know, if you are. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get in my in trouble on my on my dietary selections again. Right. But let's see that you're uh, you're a. Mm-hmm. Non plant based eater, ninety nine percent of the time. Right. And there you headed, go, attacking the meat eaters <laughs> again. I, was, I, I, I snuck it in. I snuck it in, but uh, and being one of the meat eaters, you know, absolutely. Um, but but if you are headed down that way, you can make an adjustment. It's not right. much different than that type A personality. If your behavioral activity is is leading you to a more stressful road doesn't mean you can't reduce your stress right. you're well, still going to be let's a type talk a about personality type a,
3: you know they're kind of known as hard driving workaholics who'll do anything to get ahead and they're more competitive impatient, tense assertive and even aggressive and i think we've also kind of categorized the type a as a little bit obsessive compulsive
2: Um, not, well, not, not really. So obsessive compulsive can actually occur in, in any, any side of it, but, but, uh, but very, very detail oriented, very controlling. And this is like what, what you described is the penultimate. You know, there are probably not that many people that fit that perfectly exactly. in the category. Yep. And and so, you know, what you can get, you can kind of feel that energy. You see, I'm defending this, of course, because I'm, I'm clearly a, a type yep. A personality, yep. but, but I'm not aggressive. No, um, but, but type
3: but, A personalities actually feel that they build their self-worth off of their accomplishments. And I thought that was an interesting piece of that.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where that's where they're getting that's where they're getting their happiness and their value yeah. is by setting setting a goal and achieving the goal. And so, yeah, there's a, there's always been a lot of talk about that, that type A and, and non type A. So right. type A is probably the most talked about personality, but it doesn't represent right. the largest group. Right.
3: And, you know, type A is actually associated with hypertension and even increased risk of heart disease.
2: Stress. So, stress. so in yeah. order to live in that place, that that can create a lot of stress, right? And now with all of these groups, you, we're going to be able to point to someone that we know that fits that description, yes. and live to be ninety-nine years old, right? Yep. Um, but there, so there are certainly these are all sort of generalizations and exceptions, but but a great example of what what we started with is if you are a Type A personality and you recognize that you, hey, my my blood pressure is pretty high. I'm a Type I, A personality, yeah. so. Yeah. So you can actually mitigate some of those negative health yes. effects by recognizing what's what this cause and effect
3: is. Well, it's interesting that you say that because 40 years ago, type A personalities were considered sevenfold increased risk of developing coron- coronary artery disease. Sevenfold. Sevenfold. But in the recent years, type A personalities have been to, come to understand in the psychology world that it's more related to anger and hostility. Doctor
2: Mark. Right. Right, it's and that's why I say like when we describe that first thing that aggr- that doesn't. I'm not sure if the description of the personality has softened to include more people that you can be a very pleasant, easy to get along with type A personality. And I, I think yep. just the the classic description doesn't really fit what we think is type A anymore. I agree. You yep. know, I I yep. think now when you say you're type A, because frankly, I mean it was almost or it could be an insult, right? Right. You're like, you're, you're too type A. Well, and We're, you know, whereas, somebody you know, will
3: call you obsessive compulsive. Right. And, right. and, you know, and personally, and, and maybe I'm off mark here, but as a surgeon, I would hope you're obsessive compulsive. Right. If you're operating on me.
2: Well, I tell you, <laughs> I, I've had this described to me more than once in a, uh-huh. in a really nice way. If you sort of look at things like they're a bell curve. Okay. If you name anything, any type of personality trait. There's a point on the bell curve that if you're too low, that's bad, and if you're too high, that's bad. So uh, obsessive compulsive. Yep. Okay. If you are the opposite of obsessive compulsive, you're on that far left side of the bell curve. Your success rate in life, Mm -hmm. your availability to others to do things is very low. Right. Right. So as you start creeping up that curve, you you start to see other things that are very positive. And they can make you, you know, you might make a, a better, a better spouse, a better professional, because right. Right? You, you're paying attention to details. Right. right. But now let's go up over the mean, and then start sliding down that that right side of the slope. Okay. And obsessive compulsiveness can overtake your ability to function. Yes. So we took something that that you you really need to be a person, and now we've pushed right. it all the way to the limit to now it's it's actually yeah. a to disease be successful. State. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. on the way, so, so you have to right. be, so we can say the same thing about being sympathetic yeah. or, or right. more importantly, like em- empathetic, like feeling, feeling. Other, sure. If, sure. If, you're, if you if you have no empathy, you're a psychopath. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But if you have or so a much jerk, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's poor, just prior to psychopath <laughs> is jerk. That's right. And then if you have too much empathy, you may be frozen that you can't do anything because you're so worried about how it makes somebody else feel. Right. So, so that's why, you know, we have, we have to put all the personality traits together with where do you fit on that curve and, and what, what, what really kind of brings you down?
3: Well, I know we're running out of time on this segment, Dr. Mark, but the question is, can you change your personality? Is that possible? And, again, we're talking about type A at this point. And, you know, type A people seem to be, as you mentioned earlier, stressed out, Mm -hmm. a little more hostile, and maybe even a little socially isolated because of the expectations that they demand for people around them. Is that capable of being changed? 100%.
2: 100%. And and I think, more importantly, you can see some of the traits in a type A personality that, that are innately good. And the ones that are innately bad. And when you identify those traits, and you're, you're sort of changing that whole the definition, but yeah, you can absolutely change those things.
3: When we come back, Dr. Mark, we're going to continue this discussion on personality types, and we're going to talk about the more laid-back personality. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
4: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com.
3: Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7pm. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now. Thursdays at 7pm and Saturdays at 1. AM
1: 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com.
2: You've got Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And, see, Larry, this is why I wanted to do this subject first, because I think it's going to take the entire show. It may. <laughs> we haven't finished type A, and I unfortunately, know. we don't have to go to type Z. So we're okay right. there. That's we're right. there. We'll There's make only some, three
3: or four types. Exactly.
2: <laughs> All right. So uh, what's, what's next? We're going to talk about – we. so we, we – sort of identified some of the health risks of, of the classic of type A type personality. Type A personality, yeah. I think, you know, we agree that there are ways to manage that, to focus on which areas of that, that personality are really giving the thing. So yeah. how do you practice coping and stress management? That's really I mean, interesting. That, yeah, so, yeah. So, so you're looking at what, how are these behaviors affecting your ability to function around stress and so, how to de-stress yourself. Yeah. So, so that if you're type A, and the messaging here is you know not putting everybody in one box, right. because you know it's, it's there are a lot of a lot of sweeping generalizations here. But if you tend to be more on that type A side, you need yeah. to recognize these things. You need to sit down and go, you know, what is my stress? What, and what, and what stresses everybody's me out? not like
3: me, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. you know, I mean, what? How do I? How do I? Dimin- First, you identify, maybe even admit that there's stress, because I mean, a lot right. of. Right. Taipei people will say things like, well, I thrive on stress. Mm-hmm. I live for stress. I eat stress for breakfast, right? And I don't think that's yeah, true. That, but, no, yeah. not, you know, even if that's the attitude, that's it not a very the, healthy attitude. That's true. That's not and a that's a really have, what we're talking about today, exactly right? That's exactly right.
3: But, you know, someone once said, Dr. Mark, and I really like this comment, be a cheerleader and an encourager, not a critic, that we have enough of those in the world already.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I and mean, that, that again, is a nice place to be. That is a nice place to be, but yeah. I would say that's across the board. That doesn't really cause the necessarily type A, is, yeah, yeah, necessarily type A's, A's, yeah. but anybody. Yeah. yeah, but but and and the, the fact of identifying your stressors and figuring ways to get around it is good for anyone because I, it doesn't yeah. matter what your personality type is, you will be exposed to stress. And if yes. it's yes. if if it's more the norm than the exception, mm-hmm. it can affect your health.
3: So let's talk about some coping mechanisms for stress management, Dr. Mark. Okay. You know, one of the things that uh, they talk about is if you're that stressed and you're socially isolated, go out and meet some friends, get away from your problems and try and sit down and have a social conversation.
2: Yeah. And again, with this, that we've gotten away from that, that personality type and yep. just identifying, yep. you know, what what has our isolation during COVID-19 done? Right. You right. Know, it's really increased the stress amongst you know across the board. Yep. Um, even, you know we talk about. I think we might even talk about introverts later. Okay, but there were there were some uh, articles out there on you know how how this isolation affected introverts. Yes, because the introverts are more naturally drawn to isolation. Yes, but they're but already this, isolated. But yeah, right, but yeah. this was forced isolation. Right, and that 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 yep. really complicates things because if that's your go to. And but you also don't like to be pushed into a corner. Then you had one good, one bad. Right. So right, it sort of balances right. out. But, but, you know,
3: I think uh, when we talk about that isolation, evidently, one of the biggest components of that isolation during covid is it affected teenagers, Dr. Mark.
2: Yes. Yeah. Because they were used to being out there and being yeah, social. And, yeah, and again, yeah. not all of them, but but the but majority, majority of them. Of them. Well, yeah. it's, it's a it's a developmental stage in life where you're really learning how to become part of society. And there are a lot of folks that are they are concerned about, yep. you know, is this going to take a, a group, not a generation, but right. is it going to take a group and really affect how they go on to that next level? Right. And I would say if you took and divided, you know, we're, today we're talking about personalities. If we talked about just age groups and what were the important developmental milestones that happened at different age groups and how does forced isolation affect them we're about to see yes because there'll be lots of papers out on that larry you mark my word we're going to be for for the next decade we're going to be talking about the last couple of years we are and 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 you're right and it's It's going to get old
3: the endemic if you would yeah right not the pandemic the endemic it's going to continue but you know the other thing dr mark when we talk about moving from type a to type b which is a little more laid back right technically according to psychologists type b personalities are are a little less stressed and a little less competitive. What right. do you think about that?
2: Well, again, I think that this is a dramatic overreaching of classifying. To, it's trying to put everybody in two groups. In a bucket. And there yep. are not two groups. That's right. This is a complete spectrum of type A personality traits yep. going towards the, whatever the other the opposite of type A is. And so it, it's almost as if if you're not a type A – and you've dropped some of those negative pieces of being, you know, stressed and being aggressive. Then you're a Type B. But it's really just not that simple. It's just it's kind of a way to describe people, and it's been a very much overused term. Yes. Uh, when people describe each other, because you can't dumb it down yep. to to two letters. Yep. You can't classify them that way. Right. But but what you can say is if you're if you're moving from the left to the right, you know, in this in this personality curve, that there are some real health benefits. And the, mm-hmm. and the number one connection between the differences are is your stress level right. and your sort of your intensity level. yeah.
3: And it talks about type B's focus on the positive, and that's a good thing.
2: It is, but, so, but again, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm like liking this article yeah. left, that's uh, right. left that's every right. time we, we go to the next thing because yep. that's just too much of a generalization. It, it is. It, what I'm really hearing is what types of behavior are better for your health?
3: Right, right right
2: and and cuz i i i can imagine listeners out there going well, you know, my spouse is a serious type A, and I'm <laughs> going right. to go lay this on yeah. he or she full bore. And they need to change and blazing. get more yeah. laid back. You, I can hear that now, and and and, and so th- so then you're classifying yourself as a type B, That's but you right. don't, you're not really sounding like a type B when no. you're getting that aggressive. That's right. So That's so right. let's you know sort of very give, good point, you know, Doctor Mark. Sort of sort of lay that out. Well, let's and,
3: talk about another one. People they call them people pleasers. I'd call it type C. <laughs> people that are eager to please, that are accommodating. And conforming to just about anybody else, I would call these people non-leaders, wouldn't you?
2: Well, I mean, again, they're people pleasers. They're mm-hmm. clearly not fitting into that type A personality, right? Does someone with a type A personality never please anyone? No. What we're saying here is right. this is their go-to, their main main way that they they really get positive things yeah. out of life. Right? Is they're going to help out, so they could be leaders. I, I tell you, yeah. I, I had I was a had a really uh, a. a deep dive leadership course a few years back. Gosh, now it's been more than a few. It's been about six years. And uh, one of the things that we discussed was who could be leaders. And so according to the old dogma. it's a great question. Yeah, you have to be type A to be a leader. And that is completely false.
3: Okay. That's a myth.
2: Because you can be a people pleaser. You can be an introvert. But the key is recognizing that that might not be the best characteristic of being a leader. So you need to work on that piece of it. Let's say yep. if you're the, the example that was given uh, in this course was, OK, let's say you're a you're you're a big introvert. Right. OK. And you get this new job and you're you're running a large organization. OK. And somebody comes into your office. Uh, you know, you've know, you been there a little while and say say somebody in your executive group says, hey, I got tickets to the ball game. I'd like you to join me. So you're an introvert. There's no way you're going. That's right. You got to go. So you you, go. you need to recognize that my go-to response here is, "Oh, you know, I'm too busy. I've got other things I have to do." But the right thing to do to lead is to be involved. Right. So so just the point being, if you recognize that you're a people pleaser and maybe sometimes people want to ha- have a little more direction mm-hmm. than they do want you just being happy right. about what they're doing, then then you can still lead. But,
3: you know, being an introvert and leading a company, I'm not sure how you would ever get to the helm of a company being an introvert and trying to convince your board of directors that you're the guy for the job.
2: Right. But see, <laughs> but but you're doing exactly what this article's doing. doing. Yep. You're pigeonholing. It, I am. Right. Yep. So so that introvert recognizing that this is a trait that I have. This right. is my natural, right. but I can work around it right. and I have to. Because, but i can change okay, my can personality change. Right, exactly. when i need to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, learning a new language when you you're dropped dropped into a foreign country, <coughs> you know, that's one of the things that that you've you have right. to do in order to survive and be successful. Right. Very interesting. So that that's where it plays out. Yep. Now, you know, introverts uh can like from a medical standpoint, there's really not a lot of data that's going to say if you're an introvert, you're going to live longer, you're going to live less long. I mean, there's not a lot of information about that because it yeah. all depends on how it plays into that that's stress right. bubble. That's true. Right.
3: And and I would say, depending on your personality, what's your hypertension level? What's your blood pressure level? What's your heart rate level? And if things that upset you create those levels to go up, then you need to do something about it
2: right right no you do you yeah. have you have to recognize yeah. you it you have to, to recognize, recognize it. it yeah yeah i mean i think that that's, that's not
3: in this article but that no. makes sense right yeah. yeah
2: and and it's not it it re- has really become a discussion on on looking at all these traits and recognizing that we have all have some of these traits yes right? um yes. an extrovert isn't always an extrovert that's right you know and again if it is if they're 100 percent and they can never get away from that then that becomes sort of a pathologic change there that has to be drawn back but so you sort of take all these things and create a balance and so that that's why when i when i see the personality classifications i'm so Mm -hmm. resistant in that you're everybody we're we're all on a spectrum that's we're all on a spectrum but but i still have to stand by your statement that that you want your uh, you want your cardiac surgeon to be a little bit you. more O C D if you right. will. That's right. And, uh, that's right and and watching things than so right. not. Right. But at the same time, can they be really charismatic and be an extrovert? Right. Well sure they can. Yeah. You know.
3: We got one more, Dr. Mark, before we go to break, and that's worry warts. Yeah, or, worry warts yeah. or neurotics. If you'd call it. Oh, you see, you're, 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 you like sucked <laughs> into this article, man.
2: Is that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's, again, I think that is the balance of, okay, type A stress is, seems to be like an active, um, you're putting yourself out there in front of these situations. You're setting your job goals really high. You're really Drawn in that stress, right. whereas a worry wart—if uh, what a terrible, what a terrible—I'm not term sure that's that a legal is. term yeah, or yeah, a awful,
3: medical term. Just awful
2: <laughs> is is really looking at you know whether or not the sky is falling. Okay, exactly. Everything that happens is something to worry about. Yeah, the
3: glass is half yeah. empty.
2: So I don't yeah. think it would surprise anyone to say that that's not good for your health either, right? Yeah. That that you have to find some type of place where you can get out in the clear and know things are going to be okay. Yeah. And and I would say that. Again, tying this back to what the world has been through in the last couple of years, people yep. are yep. at a sense of higher baseline stress. Yep. And if their go-to is to worry about the details, it's going to it's going to yep. create yep. more stress. Yep. It's going to make them more introverted and and our yep. message would be, you know, this is this is where the the increase in access to uh, mental health evaluations are, are has been so important during the pandemic is that you know we can really get people to get out there look for answers and improve their health long term don't stress out about being stressed because that's you know okay. that keeps going understand that this is a lifelong issue and you know you you, you know, it's it's a long game here yeah. larry i mean it's it it's is. not all about you know i can't ever get worked up about anything you know my favorite uh football team loses loses a big game I, I can get I can get excited about it for a bit of course but you got to be able to let it better right, That's right. That's so right. I think we talk about it when we talk about yeah. politics when we talk about health we talk about balance yep. and this this goes right back to it is we we're talking we're talking about balance
3: Dr. Mark when we come back we're going to continue talking about personality traits and we're going to just hit hit on a couple more part D personality type B
2: person D is dull? no such thing we'll be right. right back okay
1: you're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
4: The Integrated, Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. ipnetworkflorida.com.
3: Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays
1: at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com.
0: Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9.
1: The answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry.
2: Welcome back. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we have been talking about personality traits and how they affect your health. And we're going to jump into this uh, type D personality, which, which is. I am telling you this is just made up Larry. 1996 characterized as distress traits such as being more prone to negative emotions and lack of self-expression, stress, depression, anxiety, anger, loneliness. I you know
3: That goes right back to what we talked yeah, about earlier, yeah, Dr. Marcus. Yeah, you got exactly. that in
2: any kind of type of personality. Right. And and I think yep. that that is the key here. The key is is there is no one description of any one individual that fits yep the personality type. That's right. There is a caricature of all of these. You know, you can almost imagine how someone would draw out a type A and a type D in a room. But the reality is we need to recognize the emotions and activities that affect our health. Right. And that's really the whole purpose of this conversation. Doctor So stress and anxiety can come in a lot of different forms. They, you know, one, one, and the, it can be very different than the other. Right. Uh, it can be it can be created by by truly pushing yourself to do things, pushing you beyond a beyond a comfortable limit. Yep. It can be caused by just being concerned and worried and seeing what's happening and just feeling just absorbing all of that. So the end result of both of those are that chronic exposure to this negativity can actually yep. affect your health. And and there is there's yep. fact there's Factual basis for that that statement, yep. and and that that go away is you know get figure out who you are,
3: and and not only figure out who you are. You know it's stated that most people in America can count their real friends on one hand. Other people are more uh, generous and having many 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 relationships, and they they work on that and build that. Mm-hmm. But think about it: if you've basically got less than five. Friends that you could call true, loyal friends. Then, are any of those friends hurting you? Hurting your psyche? Is it a cancer you need to cut out of your life?
2: Oh, was you see where now, I'm going with this? Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah, know why, yeah. but yeah, now now I'm starting to worry. Yeah, well, I yeah. would also say that 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 groups that have smaller friend groups might they may have more. Intensity and more, absolutely more positive effect. Whereas, if you know, if you're the person that goes out there, and and this this happens a lot, that somebody comes like, "Man, oh, I I didn't realize that they were having any problems with stress." Or they have so many friends. Well, these friends have a very shallow relationship, and I don't mean like they're being shallow. I'm just saying that I I know your name, I know what you do for a living, I know what you like. Acquaintance is not friends. Now, if I have a problem that I want to talk out. Do do I go to you? No, I, you're not that kind of friend, right? right? Right, So we all need people to do that. And you're exactly. right. If you hang around with people that are involved in activities that aren't healthy, yep. that's going to draw you down as well. So, I mean, to your point, yep. yeah, yep. You, you want to def- definitely examine that. But Great. But I, I don't think our hourly rate covers our ability to give that kind of advice. <laughs> no, it so does Yeah, so I think, you know, <laughs> so I think... We can uh, move on. We, we answered yep. all those, those five yep. listeners we that did. contacted we you. Did. Now Now I hope they recontact us and tell us how, if they were disappointed yeah, or not. We're
3: probably going to get some calls on this one, Dr. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, we probably will.
2: Probably will. Ho- hopefully some <laughs> yeah. good ones. Might be some. Yeah.
3: You know, we, uh, we've got some new ER data that I want to talk about today. And uh, this data is for the U.S. It just came out recently. And just to start it off, Dr. Mark, there are 143 million ER visits in America last year.
2: 143 million, so almost uh, half a visit per person. Well,
3: actually, the way they break that down is 40 ER visits per 100 people in America. That's a lot.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, about about half. Yeah, about, about half, half, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
3: And, and what's interesting, only 35 million of those 143 million ER visits were injury-related visits that actually need to go to the hospital
2: you. Gotcha. so the other were minor yeah. or just uh complaints yeah how did they look at that was it whether they were admitted or was it more more important than that well more, more than
3: well actually when you look at that and take it one step further if you look at the er visits that were actually admitted to a critical care or an icu mm-hmm. of those 143 million only two and a half million of those patients
2: oh wow that's wow. a
3: very low number
2: right i mean and and of course that doesn't surprise you and I, because we we look at the insurance data. And we see the and, cost and, and, involved yeah, in and, all and this. And you see yep. that, I mean, that's one of our metrics. Like, if you go to an ER and they send you home, the greatest likelihood yep. was that you didn't need to go to an ER, right? Right, right. That's right.
3: And and the other thing, of that $143 million, only 20 million of those patients were actually admitted. Yes, that's an interesting yeah, number. So, now, yeah. again, you got so, this so twenty-three ICM, hour stay yeah, yeah. and all this, but true admissions: twenty million out of one hundred forty-three ER visits.
2: Yeah, million. 43 million yep. ER visits. Yep. No, that's. I mean, again, that might surprise listeners, but doesn't surprise us at all. Right? I not mean, at all. That, not at all. And and that represents a huge piece of the expenditure in our healthcare huge. system. Yep. That that we can. So, so when that doesn't happen, okay, we talk about this a lot. We talk about what it costs and who it costs. So yep. if if we were just focusing on directing people to ER and getting that number down, not the number of admissions mm-hmm. down, right, but getting the number of send them home down. Well, use your primary
3: care, use urgent care. Right. Don't go to the expensive, most expensive delivery, which is the ER. Right, right. And I'll tell you one more thing that caught my my eye. of that 143 million patients actually was seen by a physician for less than 15 minutes in the ER.
2: For more than 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. fewer than 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 15 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What does that say? I mean, that's a a high dollar dollar fee for, you know, not... For 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, I wish
3: I could make $3,500 in 15 minutes.
2: <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair but, you enough.
3: know, Congress has continually looked at the overuse and inappropriate use of ERs for non-emergent care. But yet the industry, the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. continues to see large numbers of people using the ER for primary care.
2: So when we break down, like we look at our community, we have a lot of options. Right, we, we have do. a lot. We have a lot of ERs. We do, but we also have a lot of urgent care. A lot of urgent care. We we lot of a lot of freestanding primary even. care yep. docs that stay open late, stay open on the weekends. Yep. yep. So, how does this pan out in small town America? Are they more? They've got the a community hospital, and, they, it may, and, and that's that may it? be it. Yeah, that may yep. be it. That may be. Yeah, that would yep. be a really good question when we talk to some of the national folks of the insurance yep. companies, mm-hmm. because are we looking at data? Maybe that's why it baffles us so much. Yep. But, but. The data that we look at at IPN is local that's right. data. That's right. And we that's did right. see an increase yeah. in visits to the emergency room this and past year. And we've
3: also impacted that sure. by proactively working with our patients outside the hospital yes. to prevent ER
2: presentations. Yep, yep. And that, and we really, made a big yeah, impact on that, that. And that's really yep. the difference. You've got to have a level of administration that kind of redirects patients and families and lets them know where they need to go what's the what's the safe answer because if anybody calls up and says you know i'm i'm having this kind of problem the go-to for for decades and decades has been well you need to go to the er that's right you know and so so that that has gotten to this new level but now there are are absolutely options but the families and patients have to feel safe when they're making that call. If they choose not to go to the yeah, ER. Right. That's right. Well, not to go to the ER, yeah. but go to urgent care. Yeah. I mean, or you, wait till you, til you your first... see
3: your primary yeah. care if it's a
2: Saturday night. Right. I mean, it's it's always amazed yeah. me when I have patients that come in and I look through their records and they're in for a completely elective visit, right? Right. And they literally called the ambulance to go to the ER. Wow. To be sent home to come see a doctor in two weeks. Jeez. And And, I mean, that's really... But that's our culture. It is. I mean, is it is it a liability based culture? I mean, I don't know where well, where we it a get d- it.
3: Defense medicine based situation. Well, the the uh, not the no. patient's making the choice. Right. right. It has nothing yeah, to do with the. Right. the, the it doesn't right. have
2: to do with the delivery yeah. system. It has to do with if someone calls nine one one and an ambulance shows up. Now, the pressure is on that that paramedic EMt right, right. to make a decision, and they may look and go oh this this person has not got anything wrong with them, but yeah. are they willing, capable, or right. instructed to say you can stay home and they do they, they do. do sometimes yeah. they do, and yeah. but that's going to be on an individual basis yep and they're taking they're taking a little bit of risk but Yep. the system needs but that. But there's
3: there's a couple things happening in the insurance world that maybe it will impact this. Mm-hmm. As you know Dr. Mark, ER copays if you're not admitted continually to climb. Yeah. They were used to be at 50 bucks. Now they're at 250 to 300 and I believe before you, the end you're going to see a $500 copay to the ER if you weren't admitted.
2: Right, right. No, I think there'll be a penalty yeah, phase. Yeah, I think
3: so. And then 80% of ER visits if they're unnecessary the difference in the cost, $3,500 for an average ER visits versus $150 for urgent care, primary care. The difference of 116 million people represents over $400 billion right. in cost savings. If people can begin to understand, I don't need to go out of right. the ER every time right, I right. get a bad
2: cold That that makes perfect sense. And I think the the, the problem with the copay. Is there's two very large groups that don't have copays. That's right. And so the government sponsored coverage is going to get crushed. Medicaid and CHIP. Yep it won't it won't matter because you know they're they're gonna they're gonna end out and you know Medicare and to some extent can can get away without big copays. So now I'm not saying I mean that they have copays, but just understanding. That the there's probably yeah. a mismatch yeah. mismatch in utilization between government covered, right. but even in a Medicare not,
3: program, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, your you copay gotta, is you going to be two fifty. Yeah,
2: you gotta and copay. if you're in
3: Medicare straight Medicare, you can have a twenty percent copay if you yeah. don't have a
2: supplement. Right, right, yeah. yeah, but they but no one knows that. That's right. So then, so then, uh, you know, it's fun because we kind of get back to all the all the topics that we've talked about for the yep. last ninety-one yep. shows. Yep. This is the uh, show number ninety-one. I, I believe it is. Yeah. So all the all the past ninety shows, we've talked about things like the 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 huge debt. You know, the yep. the, the four point six trillion dollars. Yep. Yep. So now, when you start talking about saving a couple hundred billion dollars, four hundred billion. Yeah. Yeah. So just in so- one so that element that of actually, healthcare yeah that actually takes a notch out of that ridiculously sure high does. number that's getting yep. getting higher but add to that okay now we look at people yep. who come in let's say they've got straight medicare and they got a 20% copay and they're going to pay 20% of an average bill of $3500 and they're not going to be able to pay it now that contributes yep. to the medical debt that's out there and we've had we've done multiple shows where we talk about medical debt yep we have so this it's it's that's why it's so hard, Larry. It's all connected. We've got all these pieces yep. in, of the puzzle to work with. And until we figure out yep. this, the, the, the secret weapon here, yep. we're gonna see that number of, of healthcare expenditure go up exactly. every year. But
3: well, we're gonna continue talking about this, Dr. Mark. We're gonna talk about a couple other things to close this ER topic up. And then we're gonna talk about the big ways that employers are changing their healthcare benefits in 2023. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry.
4: Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com.
0: Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9.
1: The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry.
2: You have find, uh, found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones here at the Healthcare Now Studios. We've got our fourth segment to lay out today, Larry. Yep. And then we can take our type A personalities and go home. <laughs> no, no, no,
3: Well, let's talk just a minute. You know, we were talking about that $400 billion yes, savings right. in ER. There's another big savings. You talk about chunks of healthcare savings. Yep. Uh, there are 9 billion prescriptions written a year
2: in America. 9 billion and
3: wow. 35% of those prescriptions are never even taken representing f- another 350 billion in cost savings of pharmacy cost. now you take the 400 billion and the 350 billion Dr. But Mark let's call it 800 that's, billion that's a third of a trillion dollars
2: yes no, it's more a than two that. Thirds two thirds of a third third, 1000000000000 yeah, yeah. three
3: fourths of a trillion yeah, dollars.
2: Yeah, God, the math. Literally, the math. You, I you, can't keep you, up with you, it. That was your. Ma- oh I my know. gosh! Anyway, three
3: fourths of a million, do- a we're, trillion dollars. Well, I
2: tell you what, it, we're, we're really we're creeping up on a trillion. We we're are creeping up on. We it. are, and and that was sort of the goals of the show is to yep. recognize where the money goes, where the money goes, and yep. and if we only look at waste, yep. we're we're already right. chipping away. Right. Chipping away. And And before
3: we get into our next segment, I just want to throw one more thing out there. I know we don't get into political stuff, but CMS just announced that for hospital systems, the highest cost of health care and the way you can access health care, they're giving them a $2.6 billion rate increase in 2023.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
3: Now, why do we keep
2: feeding the beast, Dr. Mark? Isn't that a good? It's contracting. It is. It's contracting. It's just like, you know, it's just like lobbyists. Yeah. You know, the, the insurance companies have to play ball with the hospitals because at the end of the day, every insurance company yep. needs to have access to the hospital. Well, you know how so, they negotiated this? Inflation rates. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. No, I would yeah. say, but so they, they, there's a hospital lobby and there's that, that yearly or every five year negotiation that the hospitals go yep. through. I mean, how many times... I would say our listeners are all very familiar when their cable company goes to drop ESPN. You hear about right. it. I'm actually thinking about that myself. You hear about it, right? About yeah, you, you about it, right? <laughs> but but when the, but when they when they come back and they say, "Hey, you know, we're we're no longer contracted with as of this date," what happens? They get an uprising of people like, "Well, I'm going to drop your service if, if you don't do it." So so there's this pressure by the consumers to make sure they do it. That's right. Well it's it's kind of the same thing here where if the hospital association goes in and says listen you need us and if you drop us this is what's going to happen but the change happens yep. is yep. the consumers don't step step up and say you're paying them too much that's right you know we need that's to right. back down cuz i need yep. to be able to afford this this that's insurance right. that's right and at some point that voice yeah. could be heard unfortunately that's not where the dollars are
3: and 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 our neighborhood here in our community dr mark Mm -hmm. having a two hospital system in your insurance plan is what everything is required our 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 community requires that
2: yes yes i mean as you well know it it does and and, but they do but they do in tiers right they may not they may say we go to both but if you go here it's going to be this copay and if you go there there's not going to be any copay that's right and so they're still driving driving the business and and figuring that out yeah
3: You know, we've got uh, something else we're going to talk about before we end the show today. One of our favorite research groups, the Advisory Board, Mm -hmm. did a survey on large, medium, and small employers and how they're changing their health care benefits for 2023. Now, we're only in August, early August, but people are already going to be seeing by October how their benefits are going to change through their employer health programs beginning in 2023, Dr. Mark.
4: Okay. And it was found that
3: two-thirds of employers surveyed by advisory board said they would be making changes to their uh, benefits because of the double-digit rate increases that they're getting every year.
2: All right. So this is looking at both employers that have... Some of the self-funded and commercial funded? Both. Both, okay, good, you good. Now, the
3: self-funded obviously has much more flexibility in how they can design their benefits, but the bottom line is uh, it's about improving affordability. And in reality, if you're looking at it, if you're a small employer with 100 employees and you're paying, uh, you know, up to 50% of your bottom line on health care benefits and you come in with a 23% increase for next year, you're looking to cut that premium, and right. the only way you're doing it is cutting benefits and increasing copays to your employees and right. families. Right, that's the only way you can do it. That's right. Right. Or narrow networks, maybe.
2: Well, it, yeah, if if right. the insurance company looks at that and says, okay, that's we can right. literally save money doing yep. that, and then that comes back and bites them in the rear if it doesn't work. Yep. And then, you know, you're in the same bucket the next year.
3: Yeah. And then when you think about labor, as you know, there's been a labor shortage now, more companies are looking at actually offering benefits for their hourly and their lower income workers.
2: Wow. I mean, I wonder if they're going to change their hourly rate, because right now, if you're a per right. DM employee, you're going to get yep. paid more That's because right. you, don't, you cost them less. That's right. That's now, right. I've, I've always wondered, though, when you look at that, is that dollar amount difference equivalent? To, to what it really what, cost yeah, you? Yeah, would really cost yeah. you. Probably not. Yeah, and yeah. so so that's 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 a piece. Or if they if these uh, per diem employees are actually like travelers mm-hmm. that, that work through a third yeah. party, then they're paying the third party way more money than they would be paying a full time yeah. employee. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you know the next one is addressing health disparities in groups that are considered underrepresented healthcare wor- or work not healthcare workers but any workers. Right. In America, and again, uh, we're not going to get into the political side of that, but uh, we all know that health inequity and health disparity in America is on the tongues of just about every politician sure. in
2: America today,
3: and even every healthcare worker.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's yep. I think that's absolutely yep. true. I mean, yep. we're talking about all the uh, social determinants of health. We're talking yep. about. Yep. Different groups uh, different makeup groups racially I mean it's 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 definitely something that is going to be in the conversation yep. and I would say you know learning about how a company deals with this kind of tells you where you want to work what, what's the, is it Glassdoor is that the name of that uh, evaluation tool for corporations? I believe Whatever. it is yeah so yeah, believe so if it is. you look yeah. on Glassdoor these are one of the things that has they have to address. Um, so if you're looking to, you know, I'm going to get hired by this company or that company, you know, how do I feel about it and right. how they address disparities and discrimination. Uh, this is a good way to look at it because it if, is. if they want to ignore that, it's an issue on healthcare coverage, what else are they going to ignore?
3: Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think the pandemic changed the leverage of an employee to an employer dramatically over the last couple of years, Dr. Martin.
2: Well, I mean, they certainly started started seeing people disappear in the impl- in the workforce, yep. and so yeah, you you have to you and need to, bring
3: you need back, to bring them you back, you got to and, offer them more.
2: Yeah, ab- yep. or yep. I don't know, you know, I think in, in healthcare it's just yep. been horrendous. They can't bring them back. Money's yep. not buying them back. Yep. You know, it's- you know,
3: I know one school system here in Central Florida, which is one of the larger ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I won't give the county, but they offer no dependent coverage, meaning employee contributed. And the other one offers significant dependent employee contr- contribution. So if a mom, a working mom has two kids and she adds them to her health policy, right. it's going to be half their paycheck each month. Oh, wow. Who they, can afford they, that?
2: They don't, they don't cover it. Yet. No. So yeah.
3: so then now the kids are on the open market right. or have no health insurance or right. dental insurance right? And and all the – care that they need
2: well i mean people start doing that math and realizing that it's costing them money to have a job i mean is that how ridiculous does that sound that's right right. so so because if they didn't have a job then they could get medicaid that's right now they don't have a so yeah, it's really yeah that 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 is a a real stress on our system yep. to see how that yep. plays out.
3: But I think more and more employers are looking at more family friendly benefits and supporting the dependents in these uh, in these different plans. And again, as you know, there are more and more large employers. If you've got over a hundred employees today, you want to take a look at self insured, Doctor Mark.
2: You do because you know, all these things that we're talking about are all great, but they are all expensive. That's right. And if the company's bottom line, I mean, it, it's really a challenge. It's it's hard to be a, a business owner, yep. um, you know. In, in this in this market, there's so much competition. There are, there are lots and lots of people that aren't employed, uh, right. but there's more and more people that are choosing to be That's not right. employed. Yep. And so if we're if we're going to get employees, you're right. We're having to raise the bar, and it. I I don't know. I don't know where the balance is going to come back. I mean, I think some companies can they've been They've been living in the profit center for long enough that they can handle this, but it is definitely uh, creating a new normal area yep you know you're right, and
3: you know Dr. Mark, the new numbers just came out. there are now eighty eight million people in the u s enrolled in Medicaid and the chip program, and there are now sixty four million people enrolled in Medicare with twenty nine million of those in a Medicare Advantage plan, meaning the private insurance
2: so that's up to the sixty four million
3: it's up from about 60 million yeah up from 60 yeah. okay and the Medicaid and chip is up from 80 million to 88 million
2: mm-hmm. interesting
3: and then the ACA now includes 24 million enrolled but with a 75 percent of those members getting some kind of a government subsidy up to a significant portion of those and yeah. I think the yeah. question there is dr how long, Mark, how long can we, yeah how long can we afford that
2: well I mean I think we're, we're looking at printing money already and exactly. uh and and I, i'm as concerned with what happens when that goes away right. so so right. out of that 24 million that are getting significant care so they it was two-thirds yeah. of them are getting significant support right? right so if we drop down and that number drops back down to where it was under 10 million mm-hmm. and the other ones are going to end out in that chip bucket and the uninsured bucket
3: yep yep you know, you know medicare represents about 1.2 trillion right now and that number may be a little higher with these increased numbers of the 4 trillion dollars we have in healthcare today but it's interesting dr mark this is a staggering number 5% of medicare beneficiaries represent and consume 50% of the overall total healthcare cost in medicare
2: wow That's 5% 5% fifty five to 50 huh? 5 to 50 i mean is that sort of related to like the majority of your healthcare costs occur in the first six months and the last six months of your life.
3: Well, no, I think it's more about managing chronic illnesses or maybe not managing chronic yeah, illnesses right. and ending up in an acute care environment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. How
3: do we yeah. get a handle on that?
2: No, that's that that really has to be figured out. Yeah, yeah I mean that's. I mean, I think that that's the story of. Medicine in general, that we look at these huge numbers, Larry, yep. and we talk about this when we talk about medications, right? Yes. So we say that like eighty-five percent of all expenditures on medications are like ten medications, right? So I mean, right. well, I think that was no. Not I think 10%. you're right. Yeah, seven to ten. 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so how the, that is the low-hanging fruit. These big numbers are. That's where the smartest thinkers in Washington need to be thinking. And uh, some might call that uh, an irony that I'm talking about smart thinkers Washington, but we won't go there to close <laughs> out the show. But but that, that we don't that, make this yeah, a political show, right. Doctor Mark. So that's why
3: we don't talk about it. 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 <laughs> it does it all by itself.
2: What can you say? That's right. But but yeah, I think that that's that's how if you're looking at this great nation as a business, and very much it is, you that those are the places that the the executive of that business needs to be looking. Exactly. Right. And you have exactly. to look at. Where's it's the low-hanging fruit, right? and how can we fix it?
3: And what's important, Dr. Mark, is we're still the greatest nation in the world and sure. the greatest health care system in the and, world.
2: And, and buy another 90 shows, and we'll have it all figured out. That's right.
3: See you next week, Dr. Mark. Next week, sir.